Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Welcome to everyone, uh, whether you are here in person or you're online, we are glad that you are here. Uh, a couple questions that I had as the announcements were given is the Cranfords, will the pool be open in November? No? little polar plunging? No. no. It's always open. Ah, that'd be fun. Uh, no, we look forward to uh, Between the Eights uh, out there at the Cranfords. We have a blast. Um, and then uh, all the Eights. We started with Between the Eights. For those of you who have no idea why we are so infatuated by Eights, um, we started with Between the Eights, and then we're like, well, what about the rest of us, The all the Eights? So there we go. Uh, and then uh, yesterday, Christy and I were doing some shopping with Ryland, and we were at Target, and I saw a guy walking down the aisle holding one of the – Operation Christmas, thank you. That was. Uh, he was walking down the aisle with his box open, and I just thought that was amazing. Here is a guy. He's not a part of our church because this isn't a, a real life thing. This is this is the people of God thing, and so uh, know this: as we fill these, we're filling them with people all across this community. And they are being sent all around the world. So uh, I love seeing you guys bring yours in. If you need a box, all the ones that you see up here are empty and ready for you to to take them and fill them. So uh, grab some today and fill them up. All right. Turn to the people next to you. And here's the question we're going to start out with. Who has gone out of their way and beyond the call of duty for you? Who has gone out of their way in some way, shape, or form? And be on the call of duty for you at some point in your life. Go. Share with the people around you. I know you're feeling weighted down. It's all on your shoulders. I know the dreams in your head don't look any closer. But I'm going to make you stronger. Hold your way back to a seat. This morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you have a Bible, grab that. If you have 
a phone with the Bible app on there. Uh, grab that. If you brought your scroll, unroll that. Uh, in some way, shape, or form, I'd love for you to follow us in the Word of God this morning. The words are going to be up on the screen, but I would really encourage you, don't depend on the words on the screen. Uh, find a way that this Word of God can, can just find its way into your life. Um, and the best way to do that is to actually have something that you can read. Um, and I love how accessible the Bible is these days. But one of the challenges sometimes with the accessibility is it's too accessible, and we don't have to work for it. So I just want to encourage you, find the Bible uh, in some way, shape, or form, and find rhythms. The thing I love about the Bible app, if you go to Bible.com, you can download their app, is there are reading plans. There are devotionals. There are themed uh, reading plans that you can like jump in on, read by yourself, read with a group, uh, in some way, shape, or form, do that. So, First uh, Samuel 18, 1 through 9. And as I bring the message this morning, you all have paper in front of you or near you. Hopefully you have some writing utensils near you as well. And I want you to uh, doodle while the pastor preaches. All right, I'm giving you permission to do what I did growing up. I love to sit and listen to my dad preach. And I would just have paper and I would just draw. I, and I would illustrate his messages. So kids today, uh, no matter how young or old you are, I want you to illustrate the message today uh, in this way. The, the, the message title today is My People. And so in, in your, on your piece of paper, I want you to draw pictures of your people. Now, uh, I kind of did a little uh, an example for you today. I have me and four of my people. They actually look more like penguins. Then they do people, <laughs> but um, I get the gist here. And these are people that I know I can count on. And as the message unfolds, you're going to understand more and more. But I would like you to begin drawing uh, the people in your life that you can count on. Hear the word of the Lord this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 through 9. After David had finished ta talking with Saul, which is after the Goliath episode, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What is this? He said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. This is the word of God for the people of God and the world. And we all say together, thank you, Jesus. So just a brief recap for us today. Uh, we're in week three of a series, and the first week I preached, and we talked about Moses, Aaron, and Hur. 
And the takeaways from that message were that uh, we need friends who are close and who are willing to intercede in our life, to become a part of our life, to help us do that which God's called us to do. That was week one. Last week, Christy came, and she talked about Ruth and Naomi and this word, hesed, love. This kind of, this deep, almost um, indescribable kind of love that bridges gaps and stays faithful and continues through thick and thin. And this week, we're talking about Jonathan and David. Uh, what it means to be committed to helping you become God who God has created you to be. I have a trivia question. This is for everyone. This is just a little sneak peek, a warm-up for uh, our trivia nights that we're, uh, we're working on. But here's the trivia question. Uh, in 1978, what did Sam and Bill's company, known as Jonathan and David, introduce to the art collector's world? Does anyone know what piece of art was introduced? Actually, there were 21 pieces of art that were introduced that year by this company, Jonathan and David. Anyone know what, what that company produced? No one. I love it when I stump everyone. Jamie, nothing? No, nothing. Precious moments. Precious moments were put together by these two guys, named their company Jonathan and David. It, it was a story of two guys who came together to do something to make an impact through art. And now we have, I don't even know how many precious moments figurines there are, but here we have Jonathan and David, one of the first 21 pieces that uh, these guys put together. So tuck that in. Uh, you might need uh, that for trivia someday. It'll, it'll help you win the million dollars somewhere. Let me give you a little background history. Uh, we jumped into chapter 18, but I want to back up. In chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, we find that David is anointed king, which is a very controversial thing because there already was a king on the throne, but God had told Samuel that there was going to be a new king. And so he went to the family, to Jesse, to, uh, to meet his sons to find who the next king would be. And so uh, Jesse brings all of his sons except for the youngest one. And parades him before Samuel. And Samuel says, nope, not that one. Not that one. Not that one. He got through all of his sons, except for the last one, who was out tending the sheep. And Samuel said to uh, Jesse, are these all your sons? Well, obviously the answer was no. Uh, Samuel, or uh, David is brought in, and David is anointed king that day. In chapter 17, we have David killing Goliath with a stone from his sling. It was a big story. It's one of those monumental, huh, giant of a stories um, in Scripture. In chapter 18, chapter 18 becomes a really busy chapter. We find that Jonathan covenants with David in chapter 18. We find that Saul tries to kill David in chapter 18. David marries Michal, who is Saul's daughter in chapter 18. And in 19, we find that Jonathan intercedes with Saul for David. And then Michal helps David escape from her, from her father's grasp. If you were Saul, you might get the impression that everyone is against you. Everyone is turning their allegiance to someone else. But what's interesting about this is Saul at this point had lost his his vision of what God was wanting to do through him. 
he had lost the vision that he was God's king on the throne. And things had, had begun to go awry. So you've got um, Jonathan that comes to the table. You've got Samuel. You've got Michael. All of these are siding with David because they know that in some way, shape, or form, God is wanting to do something special through David. And they wanted to be a part of making that happen. There's a phrase in verse 1 of chapter 18 that I really want us to be thinking about. And that's this, Jonathan loved David. One of my favorite authors says of the word love, he says, the English word love is trying to do so many jobs at the same time that someone really ought to sit it down and teach it how to delegate. Love is a powerful word. It has got so many faces to it. It has uh, meanings like, hey, I really love, um, and some of you are going to hate me for this one, I, I really love Sir Pizza. Do I get any amens out there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those who would choose to boo, just stay quiet. Uh, I love Sir Pizza, especially um, a sausage, mushroom, and green pepper. Mm, love it. But you see, I also love my wife. But I guarantee you, I do not love my wife like I love Sir Pizza. Two very different things. When we talk about love in our day and age, we find that people are trying to give definitions to that word love. And sometimes we both are talking about love, but we're talking about two different kinds of things. So this word, is, it's so rich, it's so powerful, but oftentimes it's robbed of its richness because we rob it of its true meaning. This is one of my greatest concerns as a pastor, a teacher, a father, a, a coach, all these kind of things. Love is more than just agreement between two people. Love is more than agreement between two people. Love and agreement, they're not the same thing. Now, it helps if you agree with someone. I mean, it makes it easier to love them, but it is not a requirement in order to love them. In fact, I think some of the greatest examples of love actually happen between people who don't agree. It, it shows us that love is so much more than just a feeling it is a decision. It is a choice. Love bridges the chasm that disagreements and differences create. And we need to hear that today. Parents, you and I, we come close to understanding what it means to love even when we disagree. Parents, have you ever disagreed with your kids? Got a bunch of hands raised there. It's true. We live life with our kids and we are bound to find moments and seasons when we are disagreeing with our children and it's usually because they don't agree with us right it's all their fault right no yes but we have to we we catch a glimpse of what god is trying to say to us about love in a parent's love that even though a child may cause us to like rip our hair out or bang our heads against walls kids you sometimes do that for us and we still love you that's just it. We still love you because you are our people. You kids are our people. And even when we disagree, even when you think that we are just sucking the life out of you, even though we are you know, putting rules in place to help protect you and guide you, we love you. And that is at the heart of who we are. Our kids 
are our people. And kids, we hope that us as parents, that you would consider us as your people. Love has never been about feelings. Well, I guess there's a part of love that speaks about feelings, and that really is that first attraction moment. You know, where the butterflies are churning in the stomach. Where that first moment when you touch their hand and it just is like the best thing in the world. And there's these moments and there's these feelings that just kind of get, go all berserk in us. But what follows after that is a series of choices that we make to enter into deeper relationship with the people that we have feelings for. And pretty soon, we realize that there are times when we don't quite feel like loving, but yet we choose to love. We choose to look through those things and recognize that even though we disagree, I still love this person. We can't forget 1 Corinthians chapter 13 here. Paul defines for us what love is. And I've kind of just mashed it all together. And it says this, love is patient, love is kind, It's not jealous, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it's not rude, it does not demand its own way, it's not irritable, it keeps no record of being wrong, it does not rejoice about injustice, it rejoices when truth wins, it never gives up, it never loses faith, it is always hopeful, it endures through every circumstance. If that is love, is that what we are seeing out there in people who are talking about love? People who are showing love. I think about relationships that I've heard and some people I've sat down and talked with and I've counseled with, people who said, he says that he loves me, but by all of his actions, I'm not seeing it. Sometimes that's just nothing big, but sometimes it looks like abuse. Love is defined by God as all of these things, and we need to hear this. I was talking with my dad yesterday. I I called him up. We were out shopping, like I said earlier, uh, with Rylan uh, for some of his birthday presents. Yes, I know that's strange that we shop with the child for his birthday presents. But uh, there comes a point at which sometimes it just, it's a whole lot less hassle to just take them with you and say, what do you really like? Um, Rylan found a sweatshirt that he loved. Uh, It was one of the choices that he was deciding about, and it had some Chinese characters on it. For those of you who don't know, I grew up in Hong Kong. Uh, I have this affinity towards Chinese. My dad is fluent in Chinese. He would not say so, but I would say so. But I said, Dad, what is this character? I thought I knew what it was, but I wanted to confirm it. And it was this character. This is the word, the Chinese character for love. Now, we're going to have a little language class today. Um, I want you to say the word in just a second, sing. But I want you to hold that last little Mm, sing, okay? Sing. So everyone, let's say it together. Sing. Okay, now, you're going to say that again. You're going to hold it long enough that you forget about the S-I. You're at the mm, And then I want you to add to that an O and an I. So it's going to sound something like this. Sing. Noi. All right? It's this word that kind of happens up here somewhere in your nasal passages. So for those of you who are having fall allergies, you're going to love this one. So I want us to say this together. All right, ready? Ready? Here we go. Sing. All right, let's leave out the S-I and just say the word. 
<laughs> I love it. Let's do it again. Ngoi. That sound in the Chinese language, especially in Cantonese, is one of the most difficult things for foreigners to get a hold of. And that would be people like you and I. So ngoi is the Cantonese word for love. And it's this one. Now, um, what's interesting about this word is I think there's a lot going on in this character, more than we can even hope for or imagine. The Chinese character for love, ngoi, has 13 strokes in it. I find that extremely interesting. That God would speak through Paul uh, the definition of love. And it would be found in a passage that we now know as 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But at the heart of this character is what we call a, a radical. You know, we kind of think of radicals as crazy people uh, or people like way out there on the edge. But the radical in this, path, in this character is what we consider the, the core of the character. Characters in Cantonese and in Chinese, they usually are created by joining various other things, but there's always a core. There's always a radical. And the radical is the four characters right smack dab in the middle. The ones that kind of sit on top of the little stool that's there and the ones that kind of sit underneath the, uh, the canopy. They, there are four characters right there. And that, the, the radical for the, for the character love is the word heart. Those four characters by themselves mean heart. So at the core of love, according to this character and according to a lot of the things that we're studying about love is it, it's it's not about the gut it's not about feeling the butterflies down there it's not about the emotions it's not it's about the heart that chooses another no matter what's going on no matter how they may have hurt you or offended you it's a love that that's at the heart of what God has called us to be, and that is a people. All right, so you've got that word. Let's say it again. One, two, three. You guys are amazing. Let's go for Chinese food afterwards. And you can just say ngoi to, uh, to, to the waiters and waitresses. Um, I have found coming back from Hong Kong, that's always a crazy kind of thing because there's so many different dialects. And I would speak Cantonese, and they're like, what are you saying? Anyways, um, I also want you to learn the word for heart. All right. So if I was going to write this word out, I would write it S-A-N. S-A-N. So most of us say San, right? Well, it's pronounced San, but it's a high level. San, San. So kind of go to your upper attic space and say the word San. All right. See, you now have two words in Chinese that you know. Um, go order Chinese and see what you get. I love it when we see things around us that all point to the direction of a God who is up to something great. In chapter 18, verse 3, we find this. Jonathan says that uh, Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. I, I want to ask you a question. What are you willing to do for yourself? What are you willing, what kind of grace are you willing to offer yourself? What kind of investment of time and treasure are you willing to make 
on yourself? Answer those questions. And then ask yourself, are you willing to do the same thing for someone else in your life? Is there one or two or maybe just a small handful of people that you would be willing to lay down your life for them because you've committed to love them? This is what we have going on in Jonathan and David's relationship. Consider this question this morning. In light of Jonathan and David, what do you love? Who do you love the way you love yourself? And who loves you the way they love themselves? There's a problem with my question, and that's this. Some people have no idea how to love themselves, how to care for themselves, how to recognize that God loves them that God has created a greatness for them. They, they, they don't know that, and so sometimes they belittle themselves. They harm themselves. They, they, they talk down, and they just they don't treat themselves very well. That is an area where I want us as a church to think, you know, how do we love others so that they at least know that there's a group of people that we call the church that loves them, even if no one else will. Think about what Jonathan puts on the line when his soul is joined with David's soul. The New Revised Standard Translation of the Bible uses that language, that their souls became one. They were joined together. Their souls come together, not in a surface type of relationship, not in a relationship that's brought together because, oh, we have an affinity to each other, or things are going really well, or hey, we both like baseball cards, or baseball, we both love the Braves, or the Astros. Got to throw that both out there in this congregation. Um, you know, it's not that kind of a, of, of a soul binding, but it's something so much deeper than that. It's the kind of, it's kind of relationship where Braves fans and Astros fans can come together and love each other deeply in spite of uh, the, the, the battle going, out, going on on the field. But it's not about a relationship that comes because of convenience. Jonathan takes the initiative to join his life with another person because he recognizes that God wants to do something in that person's life. And Jonathan says, I am in. But do you recognize all that Jonathan is having to lay on the line? He is trading in the security of his father's palace. Jonathan's dad was King Saul. He's recognized that if I do this, I run the risk of being disowned by my dad, losing the inheritance that is mine as the oldest son of a king. I recognize this, but I choose today to enter into relation, to join my soul, because somewhere, somewhere so much deeper than convenience or feeling it began in the depths of their soul where God is in the business of stirring things up. Some of us may not be too aware of those deep recesses of our souls where God dwells and God's creating and God is healing and God is mending and God is doing a new thing. Jonathan, the son of Saul, joined his life to David's at risk of his relationship with his father and all that comes with that. He did so because he believed that there was something that God was wanting to do in and through David of cosmic significance. 
as significant as this was, what about in you? What kind of significant things is God wanting to do in you at the depths of who you are? How are your pictures going? Who's on your picture now? I hope (laughs) that in this message you haven't realized, oh my goodness, there are some horrible people in my life and you've begun Xing out people. I hope that that's not happening. But I do hope that maybe you will recognize, hey, that person may not be the kind of person that I thought they were. Maybe, just maybe, I've given too much influence to that person in my life. Maybe, just maybe, I need to gather some people around me, a closer circle of people who recognize what God wants to do in my life, and they're going to be the people that are going to help me. So how's your picture going? At the root of our existence as humans, we have this deep-seated need and desire for what we call intimacy. And I am not talking about an adult's ears-only type of thing here. This is Family Sunday. We're not going to go there. But I do want you to realize that intimacy is so much more than just that. Intimacy is this, this reality in us where we are known and we get to know. Where all of the facade gets stripped away and we get to be truly who we are. Here at Real Life, we call that living real. And it doesn't matter how young or old you are. I've seen Sarah and Tyler walking around with Beckett in their arms. And, and there's something precious happening in those moments. Because Beckett knows, Beckett doesn't know a whole lot. But Beckett knows the embrace of a mother and a father. The protection. They, 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 Beckett knows that. He knows that intimacy. But that intimacy grows as he gets older. All of us have a need to be intimate with other people. Because in that we find our fulfillment. At the root of our existence is this need for intimacy. Every one of us needs it. And relationships where we can be truly intimate with another are the kind of relationships that require work, investment of time and resources. It requires that we go looking for them. One of the things I've heard too many times in ministry is, well, no one will talk to me. Or no one will, the first thing I want to, and I don't want to belittle their struggle because I recognize the struggle, but I want to say, okay, but how have you invested in them? How have you invested in other people? Because I tell you, if it wasn't for Jonathan's initiative in David's life, I'm not sure how this story would have gone. But Jonathan recognized that God was up to something and Jonathan wanted to be a part of that. I think that's what Michael also wanted. She knew that David was special. It wasn't that he was just good looking. It wasn't that she just found him uh, irresistible. She recognized that God was up to something in his life. So Jonathan makes a, Scripture says in verse 3, a solemn pact with David. This isn't just a casual relationship that, uh, where everything's fine, our relationship is good as long as you're nice to me and you treat me well, and everything's copacetic. No, this is a solemn pact that says, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, 
till death do us part. Now, that sounds like marriage talk, right? But, but beyond marriage talk, that is, that is relationship talk. That is, that is humanity at our best, recognizing that we can live life with other people in the kind of way that weathers storms. It doesn't matter what the person says. We, we believe that we are still with them for a reason. And those are the kind of commitments and vows we need to take to other people. And what's interesting about this shared, um, this, this, this solemn pact, and the words are kind of weird in this, this third verse of chapter 18, but Jonathan gives to David, this is weird, his robe, his tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. Well, that seems like some weird presents to be given someone else. But we need to step back for just a little bit and understand what those represented in those days. And the kind of relationship. There's this thing called a covenant. A covenant is a relationship. The closest thing we kind of have to that today is the marriage ceremony. But it, that sometimes is, has been hijacked. But, but in the midst of, of a, the, the traditional covenant ceremony, there was the blending of two lives. And so these things would be traded so that when people were walking down the road and they saw this guy that looks like Jonathan, what they would find is, no, wait a minute, that's not Jonathan at all, that's David. They must be in relationship because David's wearing Jonathan's cloak. David's wearing Jonathan's tunic. That looks like Jonathan's sword. Why does David have it? Oh, because they've made a solemn pact together. When, they, when Jonathan gave this stuff to David, what he was saying was this, what's mine is yours. My identity is yours. My protection is yours. My place in the kingdom, it's yours. I give you this because of the solemn commitment we make with each other. They shared their identity. Jonathan was making it so that when people saw David, they no longer saw just David. But they saw David and his people. What do people see in you? Because of the people you spend your most significant time with. What do people see in you? Because of the people you spend the most significant time with. I've said it before. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I think it's true. I think it's right. I've seen it happen. The people we hang around rub off on us. And people start saying, wow, you act a whole lot like... Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not so good. But I want us to take a deep look into the people that we are spending our most significant time with. What is rubbing off on you because of that? What was happening here with Jonathan and David and what can happen between you and others is revolutionary. It's earth shattering. You don't find these kind of relationships in our world today because they're not easy. They take work. But church, God is calling us to come together to have people who will help make God's plan in our life come to life. In a few chapters, you're going to read in chapter 20, verse 42. Then Jonathan said to David, 
Go in peace, since both of us have sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between me and you, and between my descendants and your descendants forever. Because of what God would do between Jonathan and David, generations would be affected. So I ask you, what is it that sits between you and your people? Is it God? I hope there's at least someone in your life where you know that the reason that you are with this person is because God has brought you together and God is keeping you together. But sometimes, sometimes the things that draw us together have very little eternal significance. And in this kind of relationship, God is saying to us through Jonathan and David that when I am in the middle of the relationship that you have with people, generations are going to be affected. There is a legacy that's going to be affected. But it requires that we step out and actually go find some of those relationships. And I, and, and I want you to hear me say this last bit. Just really, this is really, really important. If you're asleep, wake up right now or nudge the person next to you. But, but let me draw our attention to a very important part of this relationship between Jonathan and David. In spite of who Jonathan's father was, remember he was the king. It was a king who had it out for David. Remember, he was jealous of David. In spite of who Jonathan's father was, the king, Jonathan knew what God had called David to be and do. What do you have in your life? Who do you have in your life who understands who God is calling you to be and what God is calling you to do? And that person will commit to helping you become that. Who will help you become who God created you to be. How are your pictures going? I want you to circle on your picture the person who is most like Jonathan to you. Who is that person who will help you become who God created you to be? If you cannot circle someone, don't freak out. They're out there. But it's going to take a little bit of work. And I want to suggest this as the starting place for that work. You be a Jonathan to someone. You go be a Jonathan to someone. Allow them entrance into your life. Give them access. Now that may take some time. You might have to build some trust. But go be a Jonathan for someone. And when Jonathan comes looking for you, be a David. Be a David. Let someone in. You might let, have to let them in little by little, but let them in so that God might be able to do in you what God did in and through Jonathan and David. And maybe, just maybe, this church, this community, this real life, we might be a gathering of Jonathan and Davids that God uses to usher in his kingdom. Are you willing to be that? So stand with me and hold your picture. I've got mine here. Stand with me with your picture.
I, I, I just, I'm going to share with you my picture. I, I'm me in the middle. I've got uh, four people that I've put on my picture. I've got Matt, Jeff, Dad, and Chris. Matt, Jeff, Dad, and Chris. I want to mention something about this. Guys, we need, you need men in your life that are going to help you be the man of God that God's destined you to be. But guys, there's also a place for women in our lives who can help us. Now, I want us to be very careful because when we start talking about intimacy, it gets to be very dangerous if gentlemen, and this is true of women too, if we begin sharing our intimacy with members of the opposite sex, that's a dangerous place to go. So for me, I, I put Chris on my list because I'm married to her. She decided a long time ago, she was crazy one day, and said yes to me. She's on my list. I have no other women on this list. None. So guys, th- we need to focus on who the guys are going to be. Ladies, who are the ladies going to be? You might have a guy in your life, but you've got to guard that relationship because if they're not a husband, don't go there. But teens, let's, let's talk about what this looks like for you guys. Um, because I recognize you're in a world where you've got guy and girl friends, and they're great, and you need them. Um, but I think this is the caution I give to everyone. Be careful who you share your deepest heart with. Be careful. I want us to look at our pages, and I want us to, real quickly, I want us to pray for each person on our, in our picture. Go. Do that. Just a quick prayer, a one-sentence prayer, maybe. Maybe you, you need to thank God for that person. Maybe you um, know something about that person and you just want to pray for them, what they're going through right now. Ask God to just fill these people in your life God, I'm thankful for the people that are represented in these pictures in our lives. God, I pray that you would help us refine these relationships so they, that they might better reflect the kind of relationships you want for us. God, I, I, I'm thankful that some of our people are rough around the edges. They don't know you. But God, I pray that we would have at least some people who would help us who would equip us, who would draw us closer to you so that we might be Jonathans to others. Jesus, stir our affections and point them in the right direction. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Take, take your pictures and put them up somewhere in your house or in your car or I don't care where, but be praying about them and be investing in them. Church, this week, as we go, 
knowing what God wants to do in us, would you go and be that people who open your hearts to others? Would you be the people that commit, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, to live life with others? Because you see God at work in their life. Until we meet again, church, would you be blessed? And would you be a blessing? See you soon. Thank you for joining us today. We would love for you to join us in person. Our address is 2022 East Main Street in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you'd like to make a donation to keep our podcast ministry going, you can do so online at reallifecommunity.org give. Thanks again for listening.